0: Everybody, welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space 9. Today we are talking about season 4 episode 18, Hard Time. Mike, how's it going? Are, you, are is it hard time for you today? Hard time
1: only in that I busted up my fingy. Oh. So,
0: uh, so
1: pressing the buttons today, Keith, you know. Sometimes you just got to you got to suffer through. Oh.
0: It's it's not good. He's playing hurt. He's, he's literally playing hurt here for you uh, on the show. I understand finger injuries intimately. Uh, if, you, if you can't see, my finger does that now permanently. Mm. Come on, bud. Not supposed to do that. Uh, so, uh, yeah. It, it. Luckily, I have never been a good piano player. Never will be a good piano player. So it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So fun. Not fun intense episode you actually texted me uh last night or today i forgot when it was it was like oh my god this yeah. episode
1: you know jd uh friend of the show jd had mentioned on the the watch along link which you can be a part of at uh, patreon.com k sure and m sure he was like content warning on this one and i guess i took that a little bit more flippantly than uh than i should have because it uh it put me through it yeah. although and then <laughs> another friend of the show jason <laughs> Tiberius Moe cat is going for it it's made it clear he's like you know just you know just temper y- your jokey jokes at the top <laughs>
0: yeah uh, uh-huh uh-huh
1: yeah but so I, I'm, glad I'm usually the I'm, one I'm who seen. does that yeah I'm glad that I was seen and so I uh I figured something was coming our way, and I have a lot of thoughts. I have probably more feelings than I have thoughts, so it will be good to articulate I think those that's, today. I
0: think that's fair. I've got some of both. Mm-hmm. This is a great time to talk about last week's episode of Rules of Acquisition. No, that's not engagement. right. Engagement. Yeah. There it is. Well,
1: we had some engagement at the end. That's right. We were fighting. I forgot. We were playing a fight, play fight.
0: Oh, that's that's what we were we were we were verbal wrestling. Even yeah. though I don't think we actually had any. No, wait, at least we
1: didn't snap each other's necks over some bread, Keith.
0: We, I mean, yet yet <laughs> give it time. We do like bread. That is documented. We do. <laughs> clearly there's some bread. There's some gluten being eaten yeah. in our lives here and uh, so we we had a lot of variation in your viewer ratings which I think is very interesting Joshua Cronin comes in with a 79 Jason Moe down with a 72 JD uh, first off the movie I was thinking of Stop or My Mom Will Shoot if you're wondering uh, gives it an 89 Harry Pothead with an 80 Warf's Big old boot Bootshivs gave it a Small all rating with 58 coming down but it is buoyed by Kevin Miles, who gives it a ninety-one. If you would like to leave your rating and review, you can just put it on the YouTube, and I will read it. It's gonna be fun. And if you want us to read your comment, you can leave us a tip uh, right there. The super thanks, whatever it is, and we will read your comment. So, so nobody uh, settled the debate. I think we come right,
1: and we kind of come right between us.
0: Yeah, I think it. I, I think yeah. On average, I think it's uh, pretty much right in, right down the middle. So you know what. Uh, we, I think Star Trek would say we're both right, but I think us would be like we're both wrong.
2: Yeah. We
1: we, we got what we deserved.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about hard time. Let's let's get in which aired on April 15th, 1996. The top song, and this is where it's good that we fixed the uh you know, fixed the clipping on the audio because we're gonna hear Mike sing because you loved me. Celine Dion.
1: Because you loved me. I got nothing. I have no comedy today. So you just got a bad rendition of the song. That's. What, for, is that the one that's like. For all my shmoo, that's your shmeety smile. For all my shmee, that your boo. But da goo, ba do But up, bob beep, dip You left me high because you believed I'm everything I am. Because you my name, yeah, yeah. like that, all right?
0: I don't think so. I don't think that at all. But uh, oh, somebody, that's just somebody, to- make that a ringtone. That's totally the song, right? Uh, all right, hold well, hold on. I'm hold on.
1: Okay, you get
0: it. You get it. You, you, you pull it up. I'll keep talking. Okay. The top. <laughs> oh my God. The top movie uh, was *Primal Fear*. The Richard Gear. Ah. Uh, film at that point. I mean, let me just confirm that it wasn't last week, because sometimes I get, Mm -hmm. sometimes I miss it. April, it is Primal Fear in its third week. Definitely a big old, big old movie. That's why I remembered it it from before. It was a big old
1: movie. Okay, we're pausing the backgrounds. Now, we'd like to say thank you to uh, Jacques Ross. uh, Jacques Ross. uh, For his cover of this song, since I'm going to try to get away from the Celine version. But let's see if we can get the hook here.
2: All right, all right. To my life. All the wrong that you made right. Yeah. For you every, every dream right. Right. May right. come right. true. For, For every right time right. To leave right. you
0: yeah. Right.
1: okay, yeah, yeah, I
2: was
0: right. Alright, you're right. You're right. Dude sounds good. Who was right. that again? Jacques? <laughs> that was me, man. Uh, Jacques Ross. <laughs> check him out on YouTube. <laughs> Jacques Ross. Alright, check it out. Well, I'll have to give that one a listen. Alright. So, uh, Mike, uh, if we're not watching Primal Fear or yeah. uh, debating whether uh, Because You Love Me was that song, what well, are well, watching on TV? A
1: lot of stuff on TV, but Keith, ABC was airing a special. One of the things I used to love to watch uh, to this very day is the 1996 World Figure Skating Championships. And oh, I, I know, love like, figure skating. Yeah, I don't, I, I
0: can't even ice skate,
1: but I always have loved uh, figure skating and just
0: because this is what we do on this show, Keith. Okay, so uh, let me let me just put this in time. Okay. this is this because uh, you know Nancy Antonia was ninety two. Uh huh. Right. So this, is this early Michelle Kwan?
1: Or... Michelle Kwan was the
0: ladies' gold medalist. Yes, in the, <laughs> in the worlds.
1: She, uh, follow, runner up was Shen Lu for the Super. I bet you didn't know people out there, I'm a figure skating fan. All you right. would well, never who, have so, guessed. Well Just so you know, the Americans also took home the gold in the men's singles, so uh, who took that one home?
0: Oh, was that uh, uh, Scott somebody?
2: No.
1: Uh, would it would be Todd Eldridge. And, oh. Uh, the Americans took bronze with Rudy Galindo, but Keith, unfortunately, overall, uh, we mm. lost the total medal race. We got second place to Russia. Russia still took in the most uh,
0: Let's. Although that's always a running tally, because if you're paying attention, this week, Russia drops medals uh, right and left as they continue to discover all of their doping. So That's fair. That's very fair.
1: Okay. Well, there you have it. That uh, was what was on television on ABC.
0: Okay. There it is. Uh, you you want to know, hey, what was You're Void doing? Yeah. Reruns? They're mm-hmm. off for a couple of weeks. So, there you go. But, in the hard-hitting news, uh, once again, the Weekly World News, obsessed with Billy Graham. Appar- I th- maybe he had an endorsement. Yeah, maybe. But... Uh, we're gonna find out about. Are we on the eve of destruction? Aren't we always on the eve of destruction?
1: Yes, but l- I would like to like compliment Jesus's crown. There, I mean, whoever went on that Photoshop was like instead of just giving the like the two barb crown mm-hmm. of thorns, they really went for a, a full allotment.
0: Okay, well, I, I can't find a way to find a way to make a rhubarb joke. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll workshop that for next week.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I mean, I guess after he put it on, he rued the barbs. Now keep, waste your time. I don't know what we're doing yet. With trivial Trivia. <laughs> okay. I'm going to help. So uh, this episode was directed by Alexander Singer. And this is Alex's last episode of Deep Space Nine. Release the singer uh, cut. Indeed. Last episode uh, that Alexander directed was starship down it has a teleplay by robert hewitt wolf and a story by daniel Keyes moran and lynn baker both of them their only Trek credit this was once again a story submission uh, and according to imdb they were each paid the princely sum of 4500 dollars for the story by credit um obviously robert hewitt wolf uh long time on the show baker, took not over. mark lynn baker not mark lynn baker no, Lynn Baker, just Lynn Baker. Uh, all right. So uh, anyway, so let's do some let's do some trivia now that we've done there. So this episode features a performance by Margot Rose as Kapar Rin, one of O'Brien's jailers. She previously appeared in *The Beloved*, *The Inner Light* as Common's wife, Aline. In that Next Gen episode, legendary Next Gen episode. Uh, Picard is swept into an imaginary world for fifty years, mm. just like O'Brien was swept. But it was a it was a happier world, but also experienced all of that time in real time. Um, both of them iconic episodes from their series. "Inner Light" some people consider the best episode of Next Gen of all time.
2: Mm, okay.
0: Well, you haven't seen it, so we'll have to. Okay. Uh, we should do the "Inner Light" at some point. When it was released in the UK, the scene in which O'Brien kills Achar was edited to remove the sound of his neck snapping. Huh. Which is which is very annoying as as we're, you know, the sound people, Jim and Sean weren't working on this at this point because they were doing Voyager, but they definitely Sean's duty would have been to create a re- realistic neck snapping sound.
1: Yeah, and interestingly, I had a comment about that because I felt, and I'd love to ask Sean, and we will because we will be doing an interview with him on the Patreon exclusive show. Yes, the sounds of Star Trek with Sean Varney, and here's That's my right. question because I had a thought as I was listening that the the sa- this snapping sound was not realistic enough for me, and it almost seemed mm. as if it. I bet you there were versions. And network was like
0: we need that to be not so gruesome a, a lit yeah i'm sure I'm, abs- I'm i'm sure uh yeah well speaking of sound of star trek uh i i was i was messaging with jim he watched sean's episode oh and he was like and I, I want in like, on this sweet sweet interview I'm like, you're welcome anytime buddy so who knows jim might come it was on. hard to hear
1: his response though over the sound of just emmys falling down the stairs
0: there was true. They're, they're, they're always clanging together. Because yeah. uh, he wears in them around the wind, in, in, his in the neck, breeze. You
2: know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's like a rapper with like six yeah. Emmys uh-huh. he, he can't barely stand up. They're so heavy. <laughs> Jim, like lurching around on the floor forever. He's like, they're all dirty. He's been wearing them for 30 years. Oh, oh man. Right. <laughs> Great. So, uh, continuing on the trivia. Robert Hewitt Wolf was always a big fan of the story, of this story. And he tried to persuade Michael Piller to purchase it at the time, but Pillar was interested, previous showrunner. Wolf tried again in the third season, but again Pillar refused. Finally in the fourth season, because Ira Stephen-Bayer took over, he was able to convince Ira to buy the pitch and do the episode. Uh, why his decision? I don't know why Michael you know, well, and that's like you know, no shade on Michael Pillar, but I think when we think of Deep Space Nine, we think of Iro's Deep Space Nine. Like that's everyone's go-to, and we're ju- we're just beginning, Mike. I'm so excited. We still have so much more to go. So the character of Ichar hadn't been in the original pitch. Robert Hewitt Wolfe himself added the character, and I guess by definition, the turn of the episode. He also introduced elements from a completely separate pitch that had been purchased, but never made it into production. The other story concerned the discovery that ensign Sito Jaxa from The Next Generation, the episode The First Duty and Lower Decks, uh, obviously important character because Lower Decks spun off new animators. But anyway, uh, spoiler alert, in this story pitch, she was still alive. After being presumed dead, she would have been found held in a Cardassian prison since the events of the Lower Decks. This episode would have detailed her struggle to reintegrate into normal life and was basically a study of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. However, there was no motivating factor why Sito was suffering from the condition, so Wolf decided that he had killed her cellmate to whom she had become very close, that she had killed her cellmate. The episode was never produced, but when composing Hard Time, the idea of her killing her cellmate re- resurfaced in his mind, so he took that idea and imported it into the O'Brien story. That's some really good, just like writing, storytelling, mixing stuff together. Robert Hewitt Wolf is an amazing writer. There's just no getting around it. So, and lastly, speaking of uh, Wolf's writing process, Celeste Wolf, his wife, who works as a psychotherapist and as a oh. licensed family counselor, acted as a kind of an unofficial consultant on the script. And I think you can tell um, that the treatment of PTSD here is done very realistically and, and, and incredibly well. And, you know, not to harbor on it too much, because I'm always talking about it, way ahead of its time,
2: mm-hmm.
0: w- like our understanding, our cultural understanding of PTSD at the time, uh, and even just like therapy and psychology was very uh, minimal, you know, not for the therapist, but like the, the general cultural understanding, well behind uh, than where we are today.
1: Yeah, this this there was a lot of parallels from this episode to the Strange New Worlds episode that I can't the butcher of
0: Galatep yeah, or whatever, or, yeah,
1: yeah, but that 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 dealt with, uh, with servicemen and PTSD. Yep. I, I think with. Not with kid gloves, but also very, with a lot of maturation, or maturity, not maturation. Uh, And I felt this episode- They were really growing up. Yeah, it was equally
0: respectful. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Uh, You know uh, who is also uh, growing up nicely, Mm. and uh, very respectful? Yeah. Mike, it's our patrons.
1: That's true, and I would like to welcome Peter We have a promotion. Yeah, Peter Benke decided to grab a pip uh, he changed his support level. Now, listen, you can get all content at all levels at this point. We have, we have taken away the, except for the the top level will be the people who get some a, a, a special secret uh, poster that we are working on. We are sending swag your way. I just, I just, it's just been long time coming. Uh, but <coughs> <clears throat> that said, uh, you can still up your support to help us keep the channel afloat. And here are the people who do so: Brian Kilbert, Biersock, Kimber Kimble, Biersack, Casey Clark, Jason Mo, Peter Pankey, Joshua Cronin, Andrew Hayden. Captain, Ho- yeah, Captain, Jorge Novoa, and the mysterious and the mysterious household. She chimed in on the Patreon today. Now, Anne is a little dubious of the YouTube's Keith, and I don't, I don't blame her. Uh, but uh, just know, Anne, that the the water is nice and warm here on the KM YouTube, so it's okay to wait in and have a conversation here. There are no uh, a holes. Worf's big old boot shifts, Charles Babbage. And we smack
0: them down when we they do. show
1: up. We do, Harry Pothead, and so do our other viewers. They're very protective of us and each other. I love it. CRM Productions, Nikolay Ivanovich Lobachevsky, Delusions at Noon, YouTube viewer, James Hubbard, JD Makes, Colin Dagan, Chris Mitchell, CRM, Pat, Joshua Cronin, of course, the folks who have made us find things and sent us in the mail, JD, Lutz Kramer, Wyatt Eldridge, we appreciate each and every one of you. You can join the team at patreon.com slash K and... And Keith, did you know that I also have a quick bit of trivia trivia? Damn! Uh today, you know, Keith and I, you might know from our other shows, are big in the uh theater universe. And today we lost an icon, Keith. You maybe you haven't heard Who the does news this? yet. We lost Cheetah no. Rivera today at night at the age of 91. Oh no! Uh I don't think Cheetah ever appeared on Star Trek. But do you know our our Kevin Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon into the Star Trek universe for her? What's that? Well, I will play it for you later on the outro this week, Uh, well, in post. Uh, She performed a very famous number from Bye Bye Birdie with none other than Brent Spiner of Data Lore. They do uh, an English teacher's wife together on a a celebration of musical theater, and I happen to have the video, and I will play it as we go out to say, on to the next
0: voyage, Cheetah Rivera. An English teacher, an English te- Yeah, I I did Bye Bye Brody in high school. Well, that's very sad to hear. Uh, certainly a, a theater legend. Uh, Brent Spiner, in the original cast of Sunday in the Park with George. Dude, is he's been a Broadway guy before he was a Star Trek guy. A lot of Star Trek people uh, began on the Broadway. All right, so uh, let us introduce our guest stars. And that, of course, Mike happy for you, Rosalind Chow is back as Keiko, mm-hmm. Margot Rose as Par Hana Hattay as Molly O'Brien, FJ Rio as Muniz, Muniz and Craig Wasson as H.R. So what do you say we hop into the screening room and discuss Hard Time? Keep sleeping on the floor Miles, Mike's gonna jump in that bed. <laughs> What are you fine with him sleeping at your feet? Yeah, whatever he needs to do. It's like a poor traumatized man sleeping at your poor feet and I'm like, aha! <laughs> <laughs> window of opportunity. I mean I'm not without compassion. <laughs> alright, alright, there you go. Okay, so in our teaser. We begin with a slow pan down and an old man drawing on the sand floor it's very dark but
1: there's it's not working
0: I can see that I don't know why I, I believe somehow. It's going to happen. Real. There, we there it, it is. Woo-hoo. All right. Didn't have to cut. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see the moment there? Yeah. Folks, if you're wondering <laughs> what it looks like, if Keith and Mike are like, should we keep going? Should we cut? I don't know if we're going to have. hope we don't have to cut, but we might. It was that blank look on our faces. That's exactly what happens. Oh, what's up, Dee Dee? Mm-hmm. So uh, the old man is drawing on the sand floor. A decontamination beam crosses over him and wipes the sand clean a door opens and two aliens come in and we find out that the old man is o'brien and he's being set free after 20 years o'brien is thrown out of the cell and we cut to contemporary o'brien screaming as the aliens remove two gizmos from his head and we see kira is there o'brien is shocked to see kira Apparently, no time has passed. O'Brien spent 20 years in a simulated prison. And in reality, only a few hours have passed. But memories have been implanted into his head. And none of it is real. And O'Brien says, it was real to me, Bajor. Ma- Bajor? Major. <laughs>
1: it well, was I mean, real. After 20 years, it, your, speech, your speechifying is a little difficult.
0: Is that what happened? Was I stuck in the prison of my own mind for 20 years? I think Mm -hmm. my therapist would say yes. Uh, So it was real to me, which is the teaser, uh, which I really thought was a great setup.
1: Yeah, it was a slap directly in the old face.
0: Yeah. Uh, Lots to talk about in the structure of this episode, but I, I I really like, this is sort of like a general note before we get into it, but I... I really like that we begin in the aftermath because mm-hmm. the aftermath is the story, yeah, not the thing in it. Um, and I think a lot of times they would do the story and then you know throw in a little bit of aftermath, but it really is all about the post part of the traumatic stress disorder. Though so I one. may
1: argue later that I feel like maybe the in- most interesting story would have been some of the before, but we'll get there. Okay. All right. Well, I'm gonna find I mean, out. I mean, I, I'm trying to shy away from like what I what I had what I want it to be versus adjudicating what it is. So I will try to stay on the second track, but I do feel like we left some fruit on the vine. Did you want to see how we got caught and what the what he did? I feel like it's important only because, you know, we spent all last week with Ben being a defense attorney and protecting. Uh, Worf's rights, and here, this guy just got put away for 20 years enduring, like, full-on torture, and Ben's just kind of like, oh, that sucks. I mean, I get the point that we couldn't get there in time. The whole point is that because you can do it this way, their method of delivery was so fast and so rushed. But but also, how about, like, the aftermath, right? Like, was that humane treatment? Was that proper? Clearly, we can't undo it, and my, my fear is that, I'm sorry, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but my fear is that we're, next week we this we just, like, added the list of crap that happened to O'Brien and we're not going to talk about it again.
0: Well, I mean, I think from the standpoint, this is where we get into Prime Directive stuff. Because what are we supposed to do? You know, other than, like, warn other Federation folks to be careful when you're there. Are you like,
1: satisfied with the ex- explanation they give? That, but because it sounds like he just like he didn't he made a mistake. It sounds very much like that Singapore caning thing, which happened around this time, right? Where yeah. like you just you didn't know you broke any laws, or if you get into North Korea and God forbid you take a, a Polaroid, all of a sudden you're you put away. Yeah. So I guess I guess that tracks. I mean, it,
0: it happens happens all the time. I mean, like
2: Singapore thing.
0: I mean, like if you were to go in the North Korea, right and we would try to work diplomatically to get you out but once it's happened right once once we've gotten you out like diplomatically what are we gonna do like invade north korea over it no Mm -hmm. and are we gonna change are we gonna like what what can we do other than like maybe sanctions or a stern talking to but if you're already doing this the sanctions like there's not much you can do so interestingly
1: that that caning that i'm thinking of the spray paint caning yeah. Uh that was nineteen ninety-four, so two years prior to this. And then yeah. there's a lot of total recall in this as well, in my kind of sci-fi feelings, mm-hmm. which was nineteen ninety. So maybe
0: some Yeah. So I mean, but I but I think in terms of like if you're expecting the Federation to do something, it's also in the gamma quadrant, too. Right. Like there's just not a lot they can do other than get him back, right? And I suppose like babe. even
1: like the if the teaser were him getting caught. And it happening is probably less effective than starting with the cold open of him in the prison cell. I, I, I dig that.
0: Okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I fix it. So in Act 1, Sisko explains the situation to Keiko. O'Brien got too curious about the Agrothy tech, and they thought he was a spy. By the time they found him, I found out about it, they'd already carried out the sentence. And that removing the memories might be impossible. Keiko can already tell that this is bad. So, Kira and O'Brien come through the wormhole home. And O'Brien wonders if this is a dream, and he's still in his cell. And right here we see an amazing composite shot yeah, of the station through the windows. Um, being able to do that with the reflections, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. That'd be a great like poster. Actually, it'd I'd be like a great... Uh,
1: like we have uh, for our our view screen uh, on our LMRM's or is act one? This would be a good put in.
0: Oh yeah. That's, that's true. We could, we can do that. Maybe uh, coming up next year. Yeah. We'll we'll see. We'll see next season. What, what our visual, it's going to look like, who knows? So, uh, they arrive and Julian is there. I I want to put a
1: pin in this. We'll talk about it later. I feel like the writing of Kira in this scene here is the least supportive, of of miles throughout the episode, or the least like really what yeah. what did you I, I didn't
0: clock any of that. A lot what of, were you thinking? Well, I
1: mean, a lot more people are a lot they're not handling, but there are a lot more like uh, eggshells around him, and they they don't want to upset him or whatnot. And here she won't even like, or you know, a lot of Julian, we get a lot of compassion from him. Of I don't I can't imagine what that was like, and. And here she's just every time he's <coughs> experiencing one of his feelings, like oh, is this a dream? Or she's very clear, to be like that was a hallucination, that wasn't real. None of it was real. So she's she's completely denying his experience. By I think she's trying to help him by being like, don't worry, chief, it was it was all fake. It was a dream. But in in doing so, it feels very kind of
0: deaf, tone deaf. Well, I I I think I, I think there's a production reason and a character reason. The production reason is that we're telling the audience. Mm-hmm it wasn't real. Yeah. So we we are reinforcing how the structure of the episode and actually what happened. I think from the character's point of view two things. One, Kira is a is a wartime person, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. She's she's not she's not really a feelingsy kind of a person outside of her religious faith. Um but also, unlike Bashir who is trained in this type of a thing. PTSD or dealing with a situation like this. Also, this is brand new for her too. Mm-hmm. She hasn't had time to learn and be briefed and like how this works, what's going on. She just, this has been like an hour for her. So she ha- probably hasn't had time to really think through the consequences of what, what O'Brien is going through here. So it tracks for me. Okay. I mean, you're right. I think she's she's a little direct, mm-hmm. but um, I, I see why. So, uh, anyway, he arrives and his buddy Julian is there. He's going to run some tests and try to integrate O'Brien back in slowly. And, to everyone's credit, they are taking this seriously right from the start. They're not overwhelming him with a whole mess of people there. They're not even having uh, Keiko there. They are taking this very seriously. And Bashir asks if he was able to talk to anyone in the cell. And O'Brien says... I was alone. Then we flash back to his first day in the prison and see him thrown into the cell unconscious and see right away that he was not alone and that he lied to Bashir. So a green guy gives him some fruit and O'Brien wakes up. He says, I've been alone here for six years. My name is Ichan and he says, welcome to hell. And that is the end of Act One. And interestingly, we're already into Act Two at the 939 mark.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is which is very short teaser in Act One. Um just structurally, I thought it was that was interesting to see that that quickly. So O'Brien, back on Deep Space Nine, fills Keiko in on the situation. We recap what we already know: that he went through this experience in his head and that they can't remove it. And they talk uh, about the previous times where o'brien had to suffer so this is uh we've now he was captured on that planet he was also uh con- or tried by the cardassians uh so he's uh you know is a reason o'brien must suffer so alone o'brien tries to order some of his prison fruit but the computer doesn't know what it is then O'Brien arrives with his cellmate. Uh who also turns out to be a hallucination. So the door opens and there's his there's Ichan, but it's a hallucination and he gets replaced by Keiko. Which makes and it we wonder see,
1: if if you're doing that kind of Freudian slip, what man. was him and Ichon doing in that cell?
0: None of our business, 20 man. 20 years, man. The, I'm just saying years? the
1: reality of it.
0: I you know, things happen. Things happen. Uh, (laughs) I'm not
1: even joking,
0: man. Hey, please. I think that subtext layer is there. I mean, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So Miles is totally shut down from the PTSD. And only now does he remember that Keiko was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And like, if you really think through the mind F of this situation, 20 years and... Like to like arrive because twenty years ago, you and I were on tour. Yeah, we just met. I just yeah, uh... and and so we were doing Titanic, and like, what do we remember? We remember that we were doing the show. We remember some highlights from it. We remember some of the people, but like if you asked, you know, at that point I'm like you know, literally on tour with people. Twenty years later, you asked me like if I had to do like a Facebook and you tell me what everybody's name was, not a chance. Actually, I think you're underselling it. <clears throat> that's
1: that's even with the we're completely in a in a, a nice mind space. We're young. We're right. having good life experiences. A lot of social interaction. This guy wasn't just away for 20 years. He was in the hole for 20 years. Right. Yeah. And I think we're. I'm going to talk about later just the whole mind f of being in the hole of solitary for a week. Solitary oh, for solitary is 20 years.
0: Although so, he wasn't.
1: He was with E-chan. Well, yeah, which he said brings he was. up a really interesting question I'd like, I don't think we're given an answer to. I, I have some postulations, right? So was E-chan a hallucination the whole time? Was he programmed in in order to keep him sane so that they are not they are not waking people up and having them be full-on insane? Because you go nuts in the hole for 20 yeah, years with no for personal interaction.
0: Sure. Well, and it really begs the question... This is the larger question for the for the end of it. Is did
1: did they want him to were they trying to torture him the extra level of breaking him as as
0: Bashir says? Is but like is the death of him killing Ichan, is that part of the story that is programmed? Did he actually have agency in
1: that? What free agency does that? These are huge important questions because they also waited till right before he gets out to do it.
0: Right. Is that so? So you wonder, like all of the guilt that he feels about having having done that. Did he really actually have agency in that? Was mm-hmm. was that the programmed script? Yeah, like of what a technology. Now torture. this is the other th- Well, man, we're just getting. weight, we're jumping right to the end from the beginning. But
1: correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't we discuss that the foundlet- founders have this same technology and had employed yep. it? And yeah. weren't we like, wow, that's a really scary thing they they can do? And it just turns out other other people can do this too.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, why not? They're also in the same quadrant. We don't know necessarily that these this planet doesn't have isn't sharing tech with the Dominion. Yeah, this seems like a very dangerous weapon. To be having super dangerous.
1: And I like that they were just like, well, it's efficient.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and like you can. Well, and we really get into like prison ethics. What he went through, I think, is torture—straight torture. Right, right. Food deprivation, being being trapped in a room, and they point out there's like no bathrooms in there. Like, what's happening? Like, so horror, like an absolute horror. That's the point is making show.
1: up top, right? It's not so much that we should have fought to get him back earlier. It's that
0: we can't. How can we stand for? It? They tortured the guy. We're not going to fight for it. But that's the thing. I mean, we have O'Brien back. And the rest of it, Prime Directive—that's their business. It's got nothing to it like. It's it, the Prime Directive prohibits us from interfering with how they do stuff, and so it's 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 grim. But to get back to the ethical part of it, it's like yes. So the the actual program that he made him go through is incredibly cruel and torture and and wrong. However, on the flip side, you serve a twenty-year sentence, but you come out of it. Without having lost that twenty years. Right. So like if if I had you know, if I murdered somebody now, did my sentence and came back and I was still forty three, that's preferable than to come back and I'm seventy, right? Because you get you get that part of your life back.
1: Well, I mean, that's actually I think one of the most interesting questions asked here. What is you what are you getting back versus what is lost, right? Like I don't know. we're given well, and- I mean, I guess he's got some good drugs from Bashir at the end, but you don't it's
0: well but i am so i i guess like to to spin this up right excuse me if if you if you if the treatment in there were humane okay and reasonable yeah big right but you could serve it in your head and then just walk out the next day i think that's probably that's more humane than losing those years in confinement. You just experience them internally, but externally you don't. Well, and right, the rest ben? of your family doesn't, you, you're not punishing people who are innocent, mm-hmm. i.e. your family, your kids, or whatever, by deprivation. So this, so I, I, spoiler alert for the ending, I have a,
1: a, a weird fascination slash ter- terrible, terrible, terrible inner fear of prison. Uh, um and i think it's mm. cuz my dad made me watch uh america's most wanted early on and to this day i love to watch america's worst prisons things like, i just i'm obsessed with solitary confinement with prison with the whole yeah i just can't wrap my head around it um and so i guess the question becomes if you believe that the sp- losing 20 years plus of your life is the is the deterrent right versus right. Are there other forms of rehabilitation that could be taking place there? Like for O'Brien, if if you believe that rehabilitation is the is the point of prison, then that then nothing is achieved. He's it's all lost. The, the, there's no benefits oh, oh, to, sure. to the time. But had I'm, those twenty years in his brain uh, reenactment been, you know, like a re, some sort of a rehabilitation process, he got his GED, he got another degree, you know, like all those kinds of things. Then why well, don't I, then instead of going to Starfleet, right? Why don't we just go to Sleepy Sleep for twenty minutes, have tw- have ten years of Starfleet implanted in our heads, and become a ninja while you're at it?
0: and well, then, then you're release you're us Matrixing. Back.
1: Yeah. Why don't we just Matrix? We clearly have the
2: tech.
0: I mean, yes, and and I think that the the reality of it is, we pretend like the goal of prison is is rehabilitation, but I think in practicum that is very rare. Most yeah, of the time, it's especially
1: just... Especially in the United States, yeah.
0: In the United States, I mean, it's a... I was going to say it's punishment. No, it's not even punishment anymore. It's just profit now.
1: Yeah, well now, yeah.
0: So, anyway... I'm not sure uh, what we're talking about, but... It we're is, still in Act 2. Those
1: are the really interesting <laughs> questions about this, right? I yeah. know that we're, the focus is kind of his experience and, the, and, the, and the, the PTSD, and that is well handled, but I just think it opens so many questions. I'm really interested about the fight with these bad guys out here, and with this technology that, like, we're—it's what was the what was the episode where we were dealing with the the Jem'Hadar, and we discovered, oh my God, not all the Jem'Hadar are bad. But then we sort of blow up that guy at the end, and we're like, oh, so we're not going to deal with that tech that that O'Brien that Bashir was developing and uh, on the planet, and it's to same thing help, here to,
0: to help get them off the Ketracel. Yeah. White, uh, well, we're going to get more into that. Don't okay, worry. Cool. Because here, I feel uh, like this
1: tech is like big time tech. Total recall tech is important, and we should be, there should be repercussions for it.
0: Well, yeah, but it's not ours. So that's, like, and, yeah, okay. I mean, we don't have, we don't, have, we can't just steal it from them. Anyway, Miles uh, doesn't want to draw with Keiko. So, yeah, all right. Whew. All right. So, <laughs> later, we see O'Brien cutting up and portioning his food yeah. into little pieces, Rationing. like someone forced to ration might do.
1: So, they even in his simulation, they're starving them.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, and that's and that's. This is where you realize that it's all the, intentional. Torture. Their objective is is to punish, not rehabilitate. That is very obvious. That that is the goal here. So uh, Molly has a couple of lines and exits because you know. Then uh, clearly, the... though,
1: if you think about it, sorry. Especially when dealing with people who are not of their, I mean, this he's an outsider. Clearly, it's right. a pretty effective tool to be like, yeah, don't f with us next time. Maybe. oh for
0: sure yeah that's
1: oh, terrifying <laughs> it might be uh, terrible torture and inhumane but efficacy a plus well and and think about they almost the did away with they almost it. were able to like oh it only took 20 minutes to left but they knew potentially he was going to go probably end himself
0: i mean yeah i mean and, and they were able to do it so quickly mm-hmm. right so like we mark you know you get captured for a couple of hours and the you know the guards come in and save you right but in this case that 2 hours can be a lifetime the sci-fi principle i feel
1: that we left the writers left too vague and would have been better for the story i think cuz it would have kind of forced them to take a side is we never truly find out whether the hallucinate the post hallucinations in the in the present time is that residual from like the chemicals in the brain? Or is that is that further proof that Miles had, he was actually in manifestation from Miles in order to stay sane and that's why he lingered? Like we don't quite, mm. none of that's quite well, answered.
0: I, I think it's left intentionally vague. I mean, you know, and I, I think it, it is sort of a, uh, you know, whether, whether or not we're telling a story about PTSD flashbacks, mm-hmm right or whether cuz he doesn't take him
1: go away. He goes away when Miles deals with the trauma a bit or at least he that's at right. the trauma.
0: That's right. Uh, however, he does give him antipsychotics at the end mm-hmm. to prevent the hallucinations. So I don't know. I think it, I think it's an interesting question. So uh, we'll on the an, table
1: We'll have a short uh, bolt. We'll, we, we'll real, core, it, real yeah. short
0: at the end. <laughs> So uh, at the end, uh, on the table, they have a, a bunch of random fruits and vegetables, including cucumbers mixed with starfruits and a pomegranate. I think very future-y. Uh It's also the '90s, so they have space placemats. Uh, remember when everyone had placemats? Yeah, I still my mom Did still you? loves placemats. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen like a placemat in practice in a long time. But when we were kids, of course, like you couldn't go anywhere. Well, I without... barely
1: use plates anymore. Are you kidding me?
0: <laughs> me too, me too. But we're sad and lonely. Yeah, we so, keep
1: uh, in mind, when we lived together, we ate Chinese food out of Tupperware.
0: I still, I, I ate a salad <laughs> out of Tupperware just like a, like an hour ago. Oh, <laughs> it's boy. it's the big thing. If you're gonna have salad, you gotta mix it. I don't want a little bowl. It's spilling out into my lap. You're totally right. Anyway, so O'Brien is having a hard time adjusting to being with other people. He's getting three sessions a week of therapy, which is great, though I might bump that up to seven at the start. Uh, And the food, we have some continuity issues with the food on his plate, which is now different, but he starts stuffing pieces into a napkin, and Keiko reminds him he doesn't need to be rationing. And he says that the guards didn't always remember to feed him. We flash back to his cell, and Ichan shows him where he hides his food. O'Brien, who is now bearded, asks how Ichan survived. And he says, by uh, drawing on the floor with geometric shapes. And each end says, you need to learn to laugh or go insane. So he really is kind of here to function as the keep you sane device. Mm -hmm. Later that night, at Deep Space Nine, Keiko wakes up to see that Mike is sleep... (laughs) (laughs) O'Brien is sleeping on the floor. I wrote Mike! Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, I think I Freudian slipped into your own fantasy. (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, JT, uh, not JT, Jason made that joke last night. He's like, Mike, there's a space in the bed next to her. And I was like, you're right. Now, interesting thing here. Uh, Let me get, let me, I took a lot of screenshots of this. Uh, One, great partner because she puts the blanket next to him and takes care of him. Two, you could argue a good partner would probably lay down with him on the floor and try to share the experience. But then... I had the thought that that could be dangerous
0: i think yeah i don't think she should no that
1: could be dangerous you know you said that maybe the the sort of inverse thought to when you said you know he had that 20 years but at least the innocent people weren't subjected to losing their father for 20 years or losing their husband for 20 years but at the same time there's an equal opposing force to the torture of having to like retcon your brain to to treat someone as a victim like when somebody comes back from vietnam you that that space was left in your life so there's almost like an inherent understanding that things have changed and you have to approach them differently right. whereas right. here she didn't have that he left on thursday and on friday she has like a wounded warrior and has yeah. to like re, re re reframe her whole interactions with him that's e- that maybe not equally but that's also it. it scruity. is its
0: own yeah, it is. It is its own punishment. It is its own trauma. But also, like it, it, you know, we're dealing with a with a trauma that took place over twenty years. But people can have something happen on their way to work You're right. that causes lifelong trauma instantly with no warning as well. That's a really great point. That's a really great point. So and this is sort of both those things for him, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. It's. I mean, it's fascinating. Which is it's why we've been t- talking about all these things. We're still in Act Two because it's. Fascinating. It's mm-hmm. a really fascinating sci-fi concept, as well as the execution here. So in Act 3, Worf and O'Brien are playing darts and quarks, but O'Brien doesn't quite remember the rules. it 20 years. Then he sees Ichan walking through the bar, uh, the hallucination. So O'Brien follows him into the promenade. Later, Jake, now a teacher, again, fascinating execution of the story here Mm -hmm. jake is now refreshing miles on all of his engineering tools because it's not just the trauma it's been 20 years since he did anything it feels like we've seen jake right 20 years since he's seen jake but like or let's, let's stay with where we were 20 years ago we knew the blocking then
2: yeah we
0: knew the words then sort of uh but like imagine like having to go on in titanic today 20 years later i'd have no i'd be like i remember some of it but i sure as hell i'm not ready to go on
2: yeah
0: true sure. so uh o'brien is nervous about embarrassing himself in front of his employees later o'brien works for a while in a jeffrey's tube and he's now a sort of intern but also still sort of in charge he pretends to be okay but he's not actually doing that well julian then comes in and asks him why he's not going to therapy Apparently, a few weeks have gone by. And he explains, O'Brien does, that he doesn't want to rehash his trauma over and over again. He just wants to forget it and go back to his life, which is always the most effective way to treat trauma. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is, it is funny because it's so, you see it externally here, it's so obvious. Like, what are you doing? But I don't know how many people I know who have said the exact same thing.
2: Oh god, countless, yeah.
0: To their own detriment and the people detriment of the people around them i actually uh, thought
1: this was an opportunity for the episode i was like i thought maybe they were going to bring in dr troy
0: it would have been a great opportunity for i thought
1: because maybe he'd be more comfortable with someone he had an experience with but i, I guess i was wishful casting
0: it, i mean it's a great idea the problem with that is that then you make it about, about marina coming back yeah and and you it's, it's just like it's too much because it's, it's you know, it's Troy. Oh my God, Troy's on Deep Space Nine and it's not that anymore. But yes, absolutely, that would have been a great uh, cameo there. Because there's something about,
1: well, once again, I'm asking for more than it is. The focus is clearly on O'Brien, but I think what that therapy is actually really interesting too, right? It's, yeah. Because right now it's th- the therapy is used as sort of like take this pill, right? right? The actual work is not explored, but... That's asking a lot.
0: It it would have been, I mean, again, I think this could have been a three-hour episode, Mm -hmm. and we could have spent a lot of time in his therapy. I think that would have been fascinating. But 45 minutes, that's all they got, which is more than he would get today, Mm because I think today it's 42. So uh, anyway, O'Brien snaps at Bashir and tells him to get the hell away from him and storms out. We flash back to the cell. And more time has passed, and O'Brien is again distressed. He's pacing angrily, and Ichan is annoyed by him. They begin to shout at each other. We can see that O'Brien is starting to crack up. He starts banging on the walls and demanding to leave. When people start shouting, and an alarm goes off. Back on Deep Space Nine, O'Brien snaps at Odo then apologizes, but then he goes into Quark, who is busy, and we see the trauma really overtaking O'Brien here, and he threatens to break every bone in Quark's body.
1: And that Bolian is into it. Yes, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Look at that. She's like, yes. Be, be, Ooh, be rough, oh, yeah.
0: Man. I mean, I mean, that lady seems concerned. That Bolian is like, I'm into gonna think it. about Go this back and later. watch that scene
1: again, because she gives him the eyeful up and down.
0: Like, going for it. So poor O'Brien sulks off to a private place and hallucinates Ichan again, and Ichan says, "I might just be in your head, but I'm real to you. I'm your friend. You need me." And you know, and I think that the O'Brien's anger here is very, you know, I'm really glad that a therapist was a part of the writing of this because it's very, it's very real. Mm and and sort of the 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 fear and the anger and the frustration and the desire for isolation the impatience these are all classic signs of ptsd and i think they play it pretty honestly yeah. they play they just play it pretty well too here. right yeah um and it's it's seeing how how the you know trauma can pull you so far out of your character because you're in fight or flight. You're in you're in desperation. You're you're in panic mode and it causes you to lash out like this. It's a very And the episode uh,
1: here, I think it's interesting because clearly there's escalation and they have to truncate right. how long that could take. And it really risks the pacing really risks this getting samey. But mm-hmm. I think they do a really good job of different ways to escalate it, right? Clearly he starts with his closest friends, because that's very true to life. Then he starts. It starts right. to branch out. To branch out until it gets to
0: where we're going to get to the, the climax. And and, yeah. and you begin with someone trying to hide it, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's slowly cracking and unraveling. Um, and I it's
1: that, also, you know, it's fair for him to want to be alone for a while.
0: So absolutely, it's, it's masked be- behind
1: that sort of what seems to be a very triage need. So and, and I,
0: I think that the pressure that everybody feels with trauma to appear as if they don't. Mm-hmm. Right, whether you're hiding it from yourself you're hiding it from your loved ones because you're embarrassed or you don't want to overwhelm them or you feel like you're being unreasonable or whatever it is it always is going to come out it, you, it, like, it's part of its very nature is that it is impossible to control without help and so I think that they really did uh, Wolf really structures this well like you're right with the escalation mm-hmm. but the logical progression uh, as it moves forward So in Act 4, the next morning, O'Brien is continuing to hallucinate Ichan, and Ichan is concerned about O'Brien. And uh, Miles says, For the first time, I feel good to Ichan. And he says, Then why am I here? Again, denial. Such a big part of this. Sisko summons O'Brien to his office. He arrives, and Sisko asks him about his confrontations with Bashir and Quark. And the fact that he stopped seeing his therapist, he's being relieved of duty and assigned daily counseling until the doctor determines. O'Brien asks for a, one more chance, but Cisco holds his ground. If you don't go to therapy, I will confirm you to confine you to the infirmary. Um,
1: missed opportunity to be more overt in the writing here, but I see it in his, the subtext because there's a moment where, where where Cisco's like, you know, I wish I could give you this extra chance. But I can't, right? My hands are tied. And I feel like part of that in my head canon, I wish he had said it out loud though, is of all the people on the station, Cisco actually has direct one to one empathy because didn't Cisco get zapped into an alternate universe and have to live an entire life, live, die, and watch his son live and die, and then get zapped back to reality and everybody else around him is just like, nah, as if it never happened. So Cisco actually kind of went through the exact same thing.
0: Yeah. Although he didn't experience less torture. time. he saw like flashes oh, of it as right. opposed he to the whole. Didn't.
1: It wasn't real time for him. So for him,
0: it was he had forty five minutes here, forty five minutes there, forty five minutes mm. there. But he certainly knows what it's like to like yeah, have right. weird time head problems. So O'Brien, uh, even though this is the right thing that Cisco has to do, O'Brien is pissed, and he tosses his communicator into the elevator aggressively and goes to confront Julian.
1: Which I enjoyed because it made it feel like that was actually a real metal thing. Which
0: I was always yeah. wondering if it was like a real prop or just kind of like a plastic thing,
1: but it sounded pretty real. Well,
0: the, the, yeah, as you know, sound can be mm-hmm. whatever you. It could sound like a hot dog hitting a wall if a sound designer props, wanted to.
1: They are metal, right? The ones they're wearing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 they are. Um, That'd be a but cool a,
1: Etsy or a, like a a prop to buy, like a used prop.
0: There's a lot of those out there. Oh yeah, really? For sure. My my uh, when I was a kid, my uncle got me one, um, and I thought it was a real prop, and I told all my friends it was a real <laughs> prop. It wasn't <laughs> it was something they sold at the gift shop. Well, still, whatever. It looked cool. I still yeah. have it. Um. Anyway, I really like the messiness of O'Brien's emotional reaction here because mm-hmm. it it's Star Trek, even when you're like flipping out, they don't necessarily allow you to actually flip out. It has to be a little bit like trekky. And I, I loved his like actual anger there, that flash there, which was great. So uh he goes to confront Julian. Well and, and he's scene- of
1: all the guys, he's I think the most would feel the most emasculated, right? He's he's a he's a Soldier, he's been through this kind of thing before. I can handle if anybody can handle it, I can handle it. They're treating me like a baby. Sure,
0: and and we talked about in our last episode just how much combat he's been through. Mm -hmm. Like you know, O'Brien has been through it, and that's why we have O'Brien must suffer. And this episode being one of the classic examples of that. But he's been through it, and so they have the following confrontation. O'Brien says, "How do you know what's best for me? You have no idea what I've been going through." Bashir says, "You're right." You were alone in that cell. I wasn't there with you. I didn't see what they did to you, but I do know you suffered and you're still suffering now. And I'm trying to help. I never asked for your help. You didn't need to ask. I'm your doctor and your friend. Ichen shows up and says, Bashir's right. O'Brien says, don't you get it? You're not my friend. Not anymore. That O'Brien that was your friend died in that cell. Bashir says, he's not dead He he just needs a little help, that's all. Stay away from me. I don't want your help. I don't want your friendship. I just want to be left alone. Um, Again, classic PTSD. The desperation to be isolated. So Ichan continues to chase O'Brien through the station. You know, sooner or later, you'll have to tell someone about me. Like hell I will. You can't run from me forever. You're dead. So why don't you go away and leave me alone? You want me to leave? I'll leave. Send me away. Don't you see? If I keep coming back, it's because a part of you keeps bringing me back here. Um, You know, again, trauma, right? It's like a, a literal trauma speaking to you and chasing you. And he's like literally chasing him through the station, which is, you know, it's such a good sci-fi metaphor for mm-hmm. the experience of that. O'Brien well, finally arrives home. He's been walking for an hour Keiko is worried, and Molly is there asking him to look at her drawings over and over again, and he snaps and starts screaming at her. He finally comes to his senses and is horrified. So he goes to the cargo bay alone and starts smashing through the containers with a giant wrench. Uh, I didn't see any Cassidy Yates stickers, but I know you were looking, Mike. Mm -hmm. Then he sees the weapons locker and unlocks it and grabs a phaser. He turns it up to kill and aims it at himself. That was like Um, maybe one of the
1: darker sequences in Trek.
0: It's gotta be. Oh, for
1: sure. I was like, I I I, I don't know that there's ever been like a straight suicide scene before, like this.
0: I don't think so. Certainly not of one of our major characters. Like grab
1: phaser, intentionally turn to kill,
0: which you clearly boop and then put under chin. It's very overt. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's not and it's not unclear what's happening here. Um So in act 5 before he shoots, O'Brien uh Bashir finds him. You don't want to do this, chief. The hell I don't. Look, I don't claim to know what you're going through, but whatever it is, it's not worth dying for. You don't understand at all. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this to protect Keiko and Molly and everyone else on the station. Protect us from what? From me. I'm not the man I used to be. I'm dangerous. I nearly hit Molly today, and all she wanted was a little attention, and I nearly hit her. And, oof. Tough. It's really tough stuff. So O'Brien then finally mentions Ichar. He admits that he was with him for all but a week or two of his sentence. We flash back, and old man O'Brien is still suffering. They're both starving and they haven't been fed in a long time, the longest time yet. They go to sleep, but something is off. O'Brien wakes up in the middle of the night to see Ichar sneaking some food that he's secretly hidden. He gets up and attacks Ichar, and they fight until Ichar's neck snaps. O'Brien, unaware that Ichar is dead, grabs the food and deduces, somehow, this is a wormhole for me, mm-hmm. that he was saving it for both of them. He returns and discovers that he has killed his friend. Back to the scene on Deep Space Nine, O'Brien says that the next day they started feeding him again. And I'm going to read this monologue, but not perform it because freaking Meany destroyed this. So,
1: they start feeding him afterwards, which means they totally, it means they totally made him, wanted him this to occur. Yes, this way.
0: yeah. So I, I think, in my head canon. This is part of the story. Yes. That is the, the sentence. I think that everybody sentenced to this has an E-Chan and eventually kills him before the end.
1: Well, I mean, I, that's the thing. Like, what the agency is the question, right? They, they set up this scenario. Maybe they don't kill them, But clearly, E-Chan was goading him as well when they get to the fight. Kind of? Sort of, yeah. And then, the, like you said, how are you to know that he was saving for both of us? But that could also just be him starting the process of the self-torture right that they wanted him
0: right to, i it, mean that's the yeah. and like i i it's it's fascinating to really get into that and we'll never know but it is um yeah so he here's what he says so uh, bashir says but it was a mistake you didn't mean it and o'brien says i meant it i wanted him to die which is one thing uh, and my other question about it is like if is the death an accident or not and I think um, here, he says, "I it wasn't. I wanted him to die. I kept telling myself that it doesn't matter. It wasn't real, but it's a lie. If it had been real, if it had been you instead of him, it wouldn't have made any difference. He was my best friend, and I murdered him. When we were growing up, they used to tell us humanity had evolved. That mankind had outgrown hate and rage. But when it came down to it, when I had a chance to show that no matter what anyone did to me, I was still an evolved human being, I failed. I repaid his kindness with blood. I was no better than an animal. Which is also, don't forget,
1: this is the next episode after almost very similar questions were being asked of Worf in those moments. Yeah. In the moment of, of decision making in battle, life or death. Very interesting. Yeah. Celebrated I mean, and- on, the, on the Klingon side. Right, this choice would have been right. a celebrated choice.
0: That's right. Yeah, and and it is, it is one of the essential questions of Deep Space Nine. Right, you know, when challenged, our evolved humanity does it hold up? Mm-hmm. Um, also, just an astoundingly good performance by Colomini here. Yeah, just, the whole episode, but he, he's so good the whole episode, and and just like his his restraint this whole time and then finally breaking down here, but doing it in a way, you know, they, they say acting, the best acting is feeling the emotion and fighting against it. And you see all of that there just an unbelievable. I mean, there's a reason Colin Meany is such a respected actor, but like that is just phenomenal work. I mean, Uh, I mean, the closest we can really
1: make an analogy for ourselves is, you know, those dreams you have, that are so real that you wake up and you're confused
2: right? yeah
1: just multiply that by a million clearly and what if in that dream you did something that you just didn't think you were capable of doing right yeah like, imagine murdering somebody in a dream viscerally one of those and you wake up and you're like oh my god i didn't think i was capable of that
0: right this and then you start you're questioning like well i just imagined that why did i imagine that why did i mm-hmm. like how did that get into my head what was i doing it's Fascinating. So uh, Bashir responds, "No, no, no, no. An animal would have killed Ichar and not had a second thought, never shed a tear. But not you. You hate yourself. You hate yourself so much you think you deserve to die. The Agrothi did everything they could do to strip you of your humanity, and in the end, for one brief moment, they succeeded." but you can't let that brief moment define your entire life. If you do, if you pull that trigger, then the Agrathi have won. They will have destroyed a good man. You can never let that happen, my friend. And I wrote down here, wow, has Alex Siddig profoundly improved as an actor here as well. Well, and
1: also the trust in him, right? I mean, you saw what they were writing for him in season one. And here in season four, they're like, clearly he can handle this. Because let me tell you, the compassion the empathy is not just in the character like you said clearly it is no. performed and it is superb like any questions are kind of on the fencing's feeling of staleness maybe in this episode that i was feeling for a minute of just like considering maybe if there was more interesting stories to told all of that totally wiped away by the by the collaborative performance here because everybody on the on the on the station is very good And pretty, I I love the choices they made to write everybody very compassionate towards Miles. And they showed a great way for the wife to proceed, great way for his, his, also want to shout out his colleague that he's the boss of his, his underling. Yeah. When he's in the Jeffries tube and he's like, I still, I'm getting a hold of it. And the guy, like, with humor, still gave him a pat on the back. He's like, I'm sure you'll be running this place in a week. Don't worry about it. We've got your back. And I'm like, that is, Excellent scene, an excellent yeah. compassion showing here, but nobody compares to the way Siddick performs this. It's it's just exquisite.
0: And and I think that as a as a as a general note about the message of the episode, and I, I'll say it here because he mentions it in the in in what Bashir says, uh, because they tried to strip you of your humanity, and for that one brief moment, they did succeed, and that the 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 number one most damaging part about trauma in a lot of cases is the fact that you did have a moment where it went wrong, and 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 that the 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 hardest part of trauma is frequently guilt and well, I mean, and shame, and that and that his that is what is killing him here. It's not the it's not suffering. It's not being hungry. It's not any of that. It's guilt and shame that he feels. I think that. Oof. Well, we we generally wear our feelings here. I think that that is,
1: and I am not. I have no experience. When you think about the military, and you think about war, and you think about people coming back from war, and you think about people who've had to do atrocious things, kill people, main yeah. people, kill sure. civilians, kids, women, things like that, under a flag, right, justified under the act of war, but when you get to your base humanity, what separates us from the beasts, right? I don't care what your justification is. I don't care if you're just killing a Nazi, right? At some point in your sort of psyche, there's that all of your, the very fiber of your being is like, was that, do you do that, right? Is that, I I couldn't even watch, I was reading that story about the new humane uh, gas that they tried to kill that guy with. And you're just like.
0: Humane, sure.
1: Look, I can find in my heart the reasons why the death penalty Makes sense right just like on its face why like the type of people that should deserve this but then when you hear about the act of it happening and you're like this just doesn't feel right it's that it's a core thing and to have been forced or chosen to or whatever to override that core ignition initiative
0: I don't know. That's what trauma is, right? Well, absolutely, and that's and and like you know, there are many traumas, accidents, and 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 injury and pain and that kind of stuff. But I think the 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 stuff that is really the most destructive is when you get forced to compromise yourself, right? And 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 and, and even you know, you it, it take it outside of like a war or or prison, like it's like the the most traumatic thing for victims of sexual abuse is the feeling like they were a part of it in some fashion. Mm-hmm. And it's the guilt and the shame about the confusing feeling, that kind of stuff. And that is like, oh. in a lot of ways, the worst kind of trauma. And, and which is why this is about, not about he was cold and hungry and alone. It's his, like I said, it's the guilt and the I shame. That's and an that's what needs to be taken over there.
1: When we're talking about trauma a lot, especially in our society and a lot of the things that you know the power dynamics at play
0: yeah for you know, sure a lot
1: of times i think people overlook uh, make overlook or make an assumption about the agency of people who are being uh preyed upon and right. abused right thinking that at at any given time you have just the ability to say i don't want to do this anymore right. or if you're a, right. little, a young child who is being uh, taken advantage of, and oh well, they could have just run and told a friend or a family. Like the power dynamic plays into that.
0: Absolutely. You know, and and the and the people who do that to themselves, the worst are the people. The victims. The victims. Yeah. And and that is part of the of the inherent. And that's before you even get to then everybody slut shaming
1: people or not believing people or. That's Absolutely. just a whole other layers of the unknown. The
0: the ex the external trauma of not being believed, yeah. of being held responsible for something that's not your responsibility. But like as a therapist, your job, your primary job is to get that person to realize they didn't have the agency there and that and to work through And I think
1: ultimately being seen and not normalizing but destigmatizing back in 96, like this episode does, is its greatest yeah. strength. And I think we'll yeah. talk about that more.
0: I mean, it's, it's absolutely handled beautifully. And and Bashir knows exactly what the issue is here. Mm-hmm. The issue is he feels so bad because he did have a moment where he broke down. And, and that's what he has to work through. He has to forgive himself for that problem there. Anyway, um, O'Brien... Uh, or Bashir takes the gun and Echar says, be well, Miles, and disappears. Later, Bashir gives O'Brien some antidepressant, anti-hallucination medication, and he knows he's going to have to keep up his therapy, which I love the fact that, like, you're beginning a process here, not ending the process. And that is real life. Uh, But then he returns to his family, who are grateful to see him. And that is the episode who we've talked about this a lot but we have plenty more to talk about in our after show show okay so uh let's talk about wormholes in the plot
1: yeah I mean I guess you're gonna you got you got there's some specifics my one specific is silly but you know like it's just production stuff like obviously if 20 years and you were starving for any given period of time there'd probably be some visual differences in in uh in in your look what what, 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 are you, what are you talking <laughs> yeah. about um i always love when they make a chubby tevye and you're like i thought they were starving <laughs> like what's he eating uh but also more, more so, it's the vo- vo- vocal choice. Like just because you've been in Solidarity for twenty years, all of a sudden he got an old man, old man O'Brien voice, which was like, why are we doing that? Okay, so that's my trite ones, uh, somewhat ch- tongue in cheek. And then yeah, I guess it's just all the fruit left on the vine. I'm gonna put in wormholes, even if it's intentional. It's just, there's a lot of questions about the legality and the torture aspect of it that don't really get addressed. But I guess Bashir does at the end, so I'll allow it. That's about but that's other than that, I mean it is what it is. I mean I was looking for there to be more into the symbolism of the what they were drawing, but that was just meditated practices. I don't you know, I'll let you talk about the There is some ambiguity as to like what was intentional on their part. Right, right. And which, I think that is the
0: Which I, I think is okay. I think it's intentionally ambiguous, like his agency in that situation. Hmm. You know, he clearly experienced it as if he had full agency.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But we don't know externally whether he really did. And is that not the exploration of trauma? Yeah. Right? We we all think, we experience it as if we all had full agency in a lot of the trauma that we went through. If I hadn't have stopped for that sandwich, I wouldn't have been hit by the bus. If mm-hmm. I hadn't have worn that thing, that assault wouldn't have happened. If I hadn't, whatever. And I think we all believe just by default that we have way more agency than we actually mm-hmm. did. And part of the work is realizing is being able to adjudicate that more objectively. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's part of the story. Uh, you know, for me, the only sort of wormhole, which, you know, and maybe that's part of, maybe that's part of the thing is that, um, it's just him assuming that each end was saving food for both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, why did he assume that? I don't know. Maybe that's as part of their relationship. Maybe that was part of the pro- programming. Maybe he needed to feel bad about it. Like, maybe that was his own guilt after having killed okay, him. He so, thought yeah, he must have been. Because let's say
1: that their intention is to F with you as much as possible, right? Which is pretty right. clear that it is. Yeah. Because they were intentionally starving them in this simulation. Well, then, if they make it thus that he wasn't... And it wasn't ambiguous that he was clearly stealing from him. Then it's probably more possible for you after the fact to be like, "Well, he deserved. It. I needed. To, he doesn't I needed feel to survive, as bad, right? Yeah. I needed to survive. But if it was no, amb- they
0: needed to stick the dagger in his heart yes. even more. And if is the guilt part of what they thought of as the rehabilitation,
1: or the punishment, right? If or we're the not punishment. actually taking the twenty years from you, then we're going to make sure to enact. We're going to make punishment. you hate yourself. Yeah. Some suffering yeah.
0: must take place which is, you know, it's, it's all very Catholic, right? And it's, you know, it's it's oh, fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. So I'm not sure it's a wormhole or not. Let's talk about Best moment. I think it's pretty fairly clear.
1: I mean, the, the monologue, Colmini's performance, but I, I'm going to throw my weight behind Siddick here because for me, as much as it's an exploration of trauma, right? And it is, and PTSD, and it's also a really amazing meditation on empathy and Mm -hmm. you know it really could have been like i said difficult for people to even comprehend like like kira made me fear the episode was going to be about people not quite understanding his trauma but instead what it turns into is a group of people not understanding it but trying to be open and available to supporting it and almost there's almost no one there's no conflict if anyone who just like doesn't get it or not. No, gonna everybody's offer it,
0: trying you know? their best. Everyone genuinely is trying their best. Even
1: Quark, right? Where you're like, oh, is he going to sell him out? They don't do a comedy beat. He just tells Cisco what's up because he's right. worried about him. I-, I think it's just beautiful in that way.
0: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, and for me, I'll just, you know, Columns' monologue, mm-hmm. right? And 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 seeing the restraint he had as a performer to go. Forty-three of the forty-six minutes, never breaking down,
2: mm-hmm.
0: always holding on to, always holding on to it, and then you think like he's he's not gonna maybe he doesn't have the ability whatever, and then boom, there it is, and like oh, there goes your heart, it's crushed and it's dead. And- so,
1: as part of your trivia trivia, let's just like spend one minute, and then we'll jump into stem bolts, which we'll sum up quickly. Let's just do a thought exercise of okay, so clearly there was conversation about not having the hallucination character follow him into and do you right. think it was a good choice to have him do you think it was effective oh yes yeah.
0: absolutely i do um because like it's you know it, you have this ability to physicalize to manifest ptsd as something visual mm-hmm. and like it's sci-fi that's the whole point is is you're able to do this and i think you i think you could have done this even if it weren't sci-fi but i think to have a physical manifestation that appears to have agency, but it's really just your trauma speaking. And you know, I, I think for people who have gone through it, and, and I'm certainly a person who has, right? It's not a person talking to you, but damn, does it feel like it has agency sometime. Mm-hmm. And and boy, do you feel like you're in a conversation, you're in a battle with it as it's, and it is literally following you around, commenting on everything you're doing.
1: Well, not only uh, that, and why I think it is effective is because it's not just commenting on everything, and whereas it does make you, I guess, question whether is it really in his head or is it just leftover juice from the from the. Me- but I think that's overshadowed by the fact that it's, it's not just, whilst it's walking around and being very supportive and seems to be very uh, um, friendly towards him and still yeah. loves him, all that's doing is serving to haunt and torture him because of, it's more guilt. More guilt of what he ended up doing. Right. So I think it's, you're, like you said, it's a great way to anthropomorphize the, the actual trauma.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. Let's hand out some self-sealing. Let's do so with bolts. a segue
1: that is very empathetic in its own nature. <laughs> oh, we knew we missed one. We <laughs> knew we missed one. We're going to hear oh, just the end it of it,
2: folks. you oh. some stem bolts. Stem oh, yeah. stem. Oh you're funny. What is
1: that chord? That like weird suspension there at the end. I love it.
0: Oh, I think it's a major seven. It's sort of like a basically a an F major seven. There's like that one suspended, like, it's it's Yeah, yeah. the blue note. What's the blue note? So, yeah, it's actually sort of like an F-sharp minor major seven. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, all right.
2: Uh,
1: Yeah. I can't speak of an obsession. Okay, so listen. Once again, balls, right? Just balls. 96, coming off a courtroom drama where they're like, let's just do something completely we've never done before. Like with that. A camera device and here it's like let's go deep i mean it's an interesting it's not even about prison and torture it's not even about that. no but no but it says so much about it right mm-hmm. and i i, I want to be careful not to over it which is remember how yesterday i was last week i was like oh i'm just like ma- making it about something i don't think it's about but it but it is right like the best work leaves that empty that negative space where you could there is somebody. I would say this. Definitely, the peop- there's more people in the writers' room that have your very stark opinion, very firm opinion on the death penalty and torture than not. I would say. For sure. But since it's not about that, I don't think I won't spend too much time on it. Although I just feel like it has a it 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 says it without saying it. Right. Yeah. It's clearly torture, and it's clearly inhumane, and it clearly almost killed a man. Yeah, especially solitary confinement, which I just find to be the most torturous of all torture. It's torture. It's just flat torture. Okay, it, you know, we talk. I often commend for, especially where it is in ninety, in the 90, firmly in the nineties, and what media was like in the nineties. The very normalizing of a emotional male to male friendship that they mm. do with Bashir and O'Brien and yeah. I don't think we can overlook overstate how different that is than a lot of ways comedy handles it right even look with how they tried to do Joey and Chandler later in friends and even then it had it was so jokey jokey and we couldn't like just like tell each other how we feel we had to like
0: right well i mean there's there's like this it's like half like homophobia yeah. like oh yeah we're dudes which is like laced in and imagine you know, i think it's, you it's
1: commented weird. on it a few weeks ago maybe last week when uh, Keiko comes home and they have to break up a little bit, and we couldn't even just like overtly be like, "Hey, man, it sucks that we can't hang out anymore," you. Th-. But here we drop all of that because this yeah. is the most beautiful, lovely way to express empathy between friends, and and but and they have Bashir do it. Like horn toed Bashir from season one
0: is now this like right.
1: fully three-dimensional cultured empathetic yes. Well, gets... and
0: di- did I not tell you that Bashir was gonna they're yep. gonna fix him
1: <laughs> and he does he isn't doing it and what's beautiful about this episode too in that is that he he's it's he's not just doing it as his doctor. he doesn't hide behind doing it as his doctor. he says right. overtly, I'm your friend and I lo- I care about you and I like a want and it's just so great. And it's as much about that empathy as it is about trying to give an analog for people to understand this type of. It's clear that they consulted with people who understand this at a fundamental level, and were discussing ways to express it that regular people could kind of understand. Yeah. And you know the O'Brien must suffer trope in this case actually I think hurts the hurts. The message, because it can happen to anybody. This yeah. trauma isn't reserved for people who have been tortured or have been through like the well, worst of the worst. it's not
0: O'Brien must suffer. It's we know Colum can handle this. Yes, true.
1: They say as much, right?
0: That's 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 really the yeah. story behind O'Brien must suffer. Is I just mean we in the dialogue about it. it, it can yeah. get,
1: easily get just tossed in that bucket, and it's not really just about that. Um, it's not about that at all. It's. He can handle it, and he is the everyman, and so I think it's saying
0: exactly right. You know, he's
1: a family man, and he he he, to his daughter, to this cute little Molly, who's still trying real hard not to look at the camera. Yeah, uh, it's just really well done. Now, every fiber in me wants to fight against. Well, nothing in the big story is happening. There's no fault. There's no ramifications. It's so isolated. Next week, we're gonna forget this even happened. And that's probably true. But man, and it probably saved them a lot of money because it was just two guys in a cell for the most of the show. Yep. So I mean, it's even good from that standpoint. I just think it very intentionally set out to 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 be a meditation on trauma, the ubiquity of trauma, and the empathy needed to address that trauma. And it even goes as far as to normalize therapy in a way that this is not happening. Yeah. In in the in the mid '90s, without a wink and a nod, at least, right? You got to be crazy. Yeah, or have gone through like a torturous thing. I wish, it, but right. there's no way to like normalize it. Because listen, I Keith and I very much believe everybody. I don't care what your trauma is and how quote unquote insignificant it is in in the shadow of being tortured, right? Right. But look, can't have it all. So I, I don't know that there's any way for me to not give this an A plus, and so I'm going to say 93 self sealing stem bolts.
0: 93, yeah. Uh, and I I won't belabor it because I've sort of said all that I want to say about this episode, other than to say like I completely agree. I also wrote down a ninety three. I think it's a I think it's a fantastic episode. I think it is um, an incredible showcase for for column obviously, but I think for Robert Hewitt Wolfe as a writer, right? I think it speaks to something about his marriage right mm. because this is written from the perspective of a therapist from from someone who really understands um trauma and psychology and people and and it's 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 such a well-informed uh piece of piece of writing and again this is 1996 like this is well ahead of what I think uh, anything else you were seeing on television, really understanding all of that and giving it the space and time to breathe. I think structuring it as an entire episode in the aftermath speaks to that, right? This isn't a tag, the last 10 minutes of an episode. It is the episode. And I think that it's just so well done, so well constructed. And, uh, and I think doing it in a way... Okay, we're gonna get it. I'm gonna say something controversial right now, but no, like, not Keith. like Discovery tries to treat all of these things with the same weight and the same respect, and I appreciate the attempt of it, but it is so relentless and so bleak and dark that we don't have a reference point to balance it off of you know we don't have o'brien like normal o'brien his normal life he's this and then something bad happens to him and you see a change with discovery I, i i'm having a hard time getting through it because like there is no normal there's no happy there's it's just constant it feels just wallowing in endless trauma talk, and like I love trauma talk, mm-hmm. right? But it, there's there's nothing, there's no light. <laughs> it's just endless people being traumatized without ever having a baseline. So, whereas this, as this feels like seasoning, in a great meal, as opposed to it's just a bowl of salt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so I don't know. Uh, on the whole, anyway, answer the question. I wrote down 93 before you said 93, so I think we are in agreement that hard time, it's not a good time, but it is great television. So there you go. Mike, tell them about the other shows.
1: Guys, I mean, I mentioned a previous episode of Strange New Worlds, and guess what? Uh, There have been two seasons, and we talked about every episode of both those seasons. You can check it out. And Strange New Show, available on your podcast feeds and entirely on the YouTubes. David e. Kelly, all eight seasons of The Practice, we talked ad nauseum. I mean, so many hours, you can listen to us talk. Look at my Star Trek toys, Keith. we got to do another episode. We've run out of reserves. We uh, sure do. That drops on the weekends, Geekly on Mondays. And, of course, you're here watching us talk about Deep Space Nine. You can watch me watch it, patreon.com slash K&M. We're going to do, uh, do something fun for the patrons coming up soon because we've got the time and our schedules. We've got to do it. We promised it's coming uh, we'll, we gotta watch something. pick a movie or something, Keith. Be
0: fun. Yeah, it be fun. So, uh, and as we always do to finish it out, this episode uh, on IMDb, this episode got an eight point two, which puts it uh, squeaking into the top thirty episodes of Deep Space Nine. Up next week, we're gonna be talking about Shattered Mirror. So here we go. We will see you back then. Till then, you have been watching Keith and Mike. Watch. Star Trek, Deep Space. Nice. This is Cheetah Rivera. And that's my Rosie. I'm so glad she chose me. Life is one sweet, beautiful song to me.
2: Oh, we'll have us
0: a home out west. A nice little, sweet little nest And in every room, roses and bloom. But there's one rose sweeter than all of the rest
2: When love is right, then what can be wrong? Life is one sweet, beautiful song to me